When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Argyle Chat. Joining me today is podcast regular Chris Harrington. Good morning, Chris. Hello, Jack. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Very happy with what we've got in store. Yes, now we've got a very special guest. Yep, so joining us a little later is Argo legend David Frio, which I can't quite believe I'm saying. We've tried to get him on the podcast a fair few times in the past. Finally, the dates have aligned, and I know that fans have inundated us with questions, so they'll all be happy as well, won't they? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you've got great memories of David as uh, well. I, I tell you what, I, David, I think would be, and I'm not just saying this because he's a guest on the podcast today, but... I think if you ask me for my favourite player of all of, of the time I've covered um, covered the club, I think it would be him. Mm. N- not just because he was a good player, he was a good guy off the pitch, and he he and Roman Larrier arrived at a time when the club were at quite a low ebb. But Paul Sturrock had just arrived; they were just the sort of shoots of recovery, and Frio and Lario just sort of just took Argyle to uh, to another level. Two titles in. In three seasons, they established themselves in the championship and both of those men had important parts to play. So I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, what David's got to say about his time at Argyle. That's the thing, he's sort of the pin-up guy for that sort of era of time, isn't he? Definitely. No. He was French, he was great. He was, oh no, it was a Roman Lario song, wasn't it? But you know what I mean. <laughs> he, was, uh, he, was, he had that French flamboyance and a bit of flair and he scored goals. And, got bums out of seats. Oh, that's, uh, that's the type of player uh, you want. He was, he was, a, he was a top player. So, but first, before we get on to speaking to David, yes. we'll talk about Argyle's 5 1 win over Rochdale. And why mm. wouldn't we want to talk about that? Mm. Argyle's best performance of the season, I'd say, especially that first half, even though there weren't as mm. many goals, a great period of football. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, I mean, mm. did you anticipate? I mean, Rochdale have been on a bad run, they've conceded a lot yeah. of goals, but still, 5 1 win, that is a p- perfect result going into Sunderland. I, I didn't expect them to win by that margin. Um, yes, it was against 10 men for the last half an hour, but I've got a lot of respect for the work that Keith Hill, the former Argyle defender, has done at Rochdale over the years. He won't have a big budget, and yet Rochdale are always um, a, a hard team to beat. They make you work for it. Um, it wasn't a great day for them. They, they were poor, mm. you know. Uh, but it was a combination of them being poor and Argyle being extremely good. And I, I would argue that when Kerry, Sarsavik, Lamirez and Ladabo play like they did on Saturday, most teams in the one will struggle to contain them. I thought the front four were excellent. Um, and it was a really good attacking performance. I think, was it 25 attempts on goal, 16 on target? There were 11 corners in the first 11 half. 11 corners in the first half. I think you could probably make a case that Argyle actually played better in the first half mm. than they did in the second half because some of the, some of the play in the first half was, uh, was excellent. So, yeah, very, very encouraging afternoon. Well, you touched on it there. You know, it's so easy sometimes when a team wins so well to say, oh, well, mm. Watch was just really bad on mm. that day. But Argyle deserves so much credit for the way they played. And I think, arguably... Mm. It's got to be up there with one of the best performances since Derek Adams has arrived at the club, in my, in my view, as an all-round performance. As, as an attacking display, I think it must be, yeah. I mean, you know, to create 25 chances in a game isn't, isn't easy. Uh, and they were good. Ch- most of those were good chances. Yeah. You know, the, the keeper's made, what, three or four really top saves, has been near misses just past the post. Um, it, it, it was a good attacking display uh, and just kept the momentum going of, of, of the good run they've, they've been on recently. Um, so great to see Oscar Frelka back on the home park pitch. Obviously, he came on in the second half and also chipped him with a goal. Mm. A great way to introduce yourself to the fans who already love him dearly. Yeah. Um, great to see him back on the home park pitch in the first team fixture. Yeah, and he got a tremendous ovation from the fans, and I know he was very appreciative of that. Um, the first time he's he's been out in front of them since returning to the club, and uh, you know when we saw him after the game, he said that his goal was a was a gift for the fans because they've stuck with him. You know, he he left the club last summer. For, for what he felt was a better career opportunity, and that's fair enough. Everyone has that, that uh, option to take, and uh, you know it hasn't quite worked out um, in, in Belgium for him, but he's come back. The, clubs have, uh, the fans have made it clear from day one that uh, they're extremely pleased to have him back, and, and, and Oscar did say when he was talking to us that 
for him it's important to feel wanted at a, wanted at a club mm. and he feels wanted at Plymouth Argyle he, he said he's got a great relationship with Derek Adams he's got a great relationship with the fans so you know as long as he's at Plymouth Argyle I think he's going to enjoy himself and now Anthony Sarsavik obviously was booked for the 10th time mm. um, in the game against Rochdale he'll now, now miss the away game to Sunderland the home game to Luton yeah Surely Oscar Frelko's going to come in. It gives him a chance now yes. to stake a claim. Absolutely, that looks like the most likely scenario, doesn't it? You know that you just when you're on a good run like Argyle are on, you don't really want to chop and change the team around too much. If you can just if you've lost a player because of suspension, you can just plug somebody else straight back into his position. Um, then that's what you'll do. I don't think Oscar's quite the same player as Anthony Sarsavik. Maybe Sarsavik's a bit more of an attack-minded sort of central midfielder, but. Um, when you consider that Argyle playing Sunderland and Way and Luton at home, two very good, strong teams, you know, I'm not sure that's necessarily the, the worst thing in the world. Mm. Um, you would expect uh, Threlkel to come in, and as Derek Adams has always shown in the past, if you come into the team and you do well and the team are doing well, then you stay in the team. So the opportunity is there for him now to, to get a regular run of games. And Freddie Ladapo back to scoring ways. We'll, mm. we'll talk really touch on that. I mean, there was a lot of mm. fans actually on Twitter before and when the team news came out saying, mm. why is he not playing Ryan Taylor? Yeah. It's about time we played Ryan Taylor. Mm. Uh, and I said to you before that I thought Rochdale was a perfect chance for him to get some goals. There's been some hard games lately and he got two and, and hopefully that will continue now. Yeah, I mean, you, you did call it, Jack. Um, fair's fair. Um, <laughs> Don't often get things No, right. but you, you, you were spot on. You said it was a good time for him to, to score and he did. His first goal was fantastic. It was only when I saw it back on the TV highlights that I appreciated how good a goal it was. He had a lot of work to do. The ball was played to his feet and he had, he had a good awareness of the defender behind him, good first touch, skill to spin and shoot, strength to hold off the player and then a, a sort of an unerring shot into the, to the top corner. So it was an excellent finish. That will have done his confidence the world of good. You look at uh, you know, Lemires and Carey, they've scored goals and their performance levels have, have yeah. gone up. Uh, so I, I've got every expectation that Freddie Ladapo now 15 goals for the season will be uh, will will be going to into these next few games full of confidence. You know, 15 goal season striker. Um, uh, you know, I, I know there was talk about you know is Ryan Taylor should he come into the team? And we all know what Ryan Taylor's done for Argyle in the past, and he's been an, an excellent servant. I just think Freddie is a little bit quicker and more mobile, and when you've got the likes of Carey and Ramirez floating around as well it makes it very difficult for the opposition yeah. to know where any of those players are going to pop up in the attacking third of the pitch so but anyway you know Ladapo's got two goals he's, he's, he, he should be in uh, in really good spirits for the game against Sunderland and just one last question because I know mm. fans want to hear more from Freo than yeah they don't want to hear from us today they're, they're going, come on get David on get David on but just a quick look ahead to Sunderland 1,500 mm. tickets already sold for that game for Margot fans mm. just in a quickly 30 seconds, give mm. fans that haven't been to the stadium like you've been there before what yep. they can expect. Well, I've been there twice. I saw Argyle lose 5-1 on a Tuesday night and then I saw them win 3-2 with Nick Chadwick late goal on a Saturday afternoon in August. It's a 49,000-seat stadium. It's a fantastic venue to go to. It uh, stands alone, so when you drive into Sunderland, you can't miss it. It's on the right. Um, Argyle are going to have a huge um, support there, so they're going to um, have a good time at a, a really top stadium and the way that Argyle have been playing recently, they're not going there without hope of seeing their team put in a, a good performance and get a good result. So up next, we'll hear from the man himself, David Frio. So we're very excited to hear on Argyle Chat to say we've got David Frio joining us now. Um, good afternoon, David. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, just... Pleased to, to speak to my uh, Argyle uh, friends. I was say... It's been a long time. Out of anybody connected to Argyle, past and present, I've got to say that I think you're the name that I most get often asked about to, to try and get on the podcast. So um, I just want to know, how does it feel to be so popular 14 years after leaving the club? Uh, to be fair, it's a, it's, it's a big honour. Uh, we've had a great time at Argyle at the time. Uh, we've been successful with two championships. That's maybe the reason why, but... Uh, uh, to be fair, we, we all we all enjoyed uh, the time, you know, the the, the two thousand years, uh, and so uh, with two, obviously the championship in three years, it was a a, a fantastic time for the for the southwest. And you must see a lot of that love. I know you're on social media. You must see a lot of that love from our golf fans on there still. Yeah, yeah, 
most of my followers are from <laughs> Plymouth, to be fair. But uh, no, you know, it's 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 been a uh, a time uh, around four years of my career, of my life, uh, with my family in the southwest of England. Uh, uh, you know, in a different country, different culture, and we've been uh, welcomed by everybody. And uh, obviously, on the pitch, the, the results were there. Uh, and it, it was a great time. And, and the kids were born in Plymouth, weren't they, David? Uh, no, no. Uh, I've got two sons. Yeah. Maxime was born in France. Yeah. And when I moved to, to Forest, my second son, Romeo, uh, was born in, uh, in Nottingham. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in 2005. Yeah. So, I mean, let's well, first of all rewind back right to the very start of your Argyle career. I'm just wondering sort of how that move came about and how was um, Plymouth sold to you? Uh, uh, I was in I was in France at the time mm-hmm. and, I, and I played with Roman in Valence. Uh, the club was relegated and uh, and I decided to 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 break my contract at the time because I didn't want to play in the third division in France. So uh, I had the opportunity through an agent who told told to me and said, well, Roman is in England, uh, we're going, he was in Scotland at the time, we, I've got a trial for you in England, it's the second division. Okay, it's the second division, that's fine. And then, oh no, the third division, sorry. And uh, I said, third division, but that means the fourth, because, in, you know, I said, no, I'm not interested. And then he called me back uh, a couple of weeks later and he said, you know, you can come to England, you can find a short-term contract is something like a week or a month and, and you'll see you're in a shopping window he said well i'm training here well why not training in england mm. and then that all came about uh you know uh at the time i, I took the, the plane we we if i remember well we we landed in uh, i think it was gatwick or Heathrow, and took the, took the car with the agent at the time, he said, I said, one hour from London. Okay, <laughs> not too far. Two hours from London. Well, okay, that's three. Three and a half. I said, and, uh, and we arrived late at night. And um, it, was, uh, it was a big surprise because he told me, you know, I didn't check the map when I, when I arrived. And, uh, and then we, we arrived, I think it was at the Swinton Hotel, uh, our famous Swinton Hotel. And... Um, and then the story began here. I was going to say, I've, I've spoken to a, a lot of uh, players that have come from abroad, both in football and basketball, and they all, they all get told that Plymouth's a lot closer to London than it actually is, I think. I think that's a very common uh, theme. Sorry, say, say again, sorry. So I was just I'm saying, sorry. I've spoken to a lot of players that have come from abroad, uh, both in football and basketball, yeah. and I think they all are told or believe that Plymouth's not very far from London, so they all, they all get that shock when they first arrive, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and then we, when we saw that, when we started to, to travel, because yeah. uh, my first game was Exeter, I said, okay, it's not that far, <laughs> uh, but that was the only one. Then the second one was something like, the, the, the closest was Bristol, uh, Bristol Rovers or Bristol City, and uh, and then we, we uh, in the, the time I spent at Plymouth, the part of the success also, was that we traveled all together for a long period of time, you know, on the coach, uh, playing uh, cards or whatever, uh, to socialize with people. You know, when you're traveling with people, you get to know them better. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's one, one thing is to train and play games, and the other is to travel with people. And then you get to know them, and the, 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 the team spirit was good. Uh, the manager knew that. Uh, and I think it was even... You, we know when, when you're playing, you're tired because of the travelling, but it was not the problem for us. David, I, I don't uh, know if you remember, David, but I, I remember taking you in the car up to the Rochdale away game very early on in your Argyle career. You, you went to the yes. GPs in Plimpton because you had a problem with your foot, I think it was. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, was, I had a cut on my foot uh, on, the, on the Thursday or Friday before the game. And when uh, probably it was on the Thursday, the team was traveling on the Friday, yeah. and uh, I had to check my to put a 
to, to, to make my uh, foot checked by the, the doctor. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, if I remember well, we didn't play that game. No, it was postponed. It was postponed, exactly was right. Travel. We, we yeah, went yeah, up to yeah. the uh, hotel, I think it was by the Haydock Park race course. And then, uh, yeah, we got to Rochdale the following day and it was postponed. But uh, I, I, do, I do remember you and I travelling up the M5 and the M6. You must have wondered what on earth, what on earth was going on. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be fair, after that one was postponed, yeah. I think we travelled to Carlisle or something like that yeah. in, in the, the following week. Or, yeah. And I said, where am I going? <laughs> I'm going to a different country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was so long, Carlisle, uh, right up north, yeah. Uh, no, that that was a that was a good experience. You know, when you're there, you 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 part of the thing, and uh, and the traveling was part of the of our success because we had so many good memories um, coming back from uh, uh, when we won the trophies and uh, on the way back uh, from I think it was Rochdale as well. Rochdale uh, was when you won promotion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's good uh, good memories. I was just wondering as well. I mean, was your was your English good before you came to Plymouth in England, or did you did you have to learn it while you were over here? And did that make any um, sway on your decision to come to Plymouth? You, you just have to ask Chris. Your uh, David's English was a lot better than everyone else's French. Oh, really? So um, <laughs> uh, because David mentions the the um, the Exeter game uh, when you yeah, made your exactly. debut, and Roman. Yeah. Uh, acted as a, a translator, didn't he? Really, he, Roman didn't play that day, but I remember you yeah. came to see the media, and and we we spoke, uh, but sort of Ro, Roman was sort of helping to translate. But uh, we, we sat in a car going up to you know Rochdale, and uh, David's English was was not bad, and and as we can all hear now, his English is excellent. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I mean, oh, you, I think you're learning in the changing room. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Some good things <laughs> and some maybe not so good things. Exactly. You always you always start by the by the the wrong words. Yeah. <laughs> if I can say that. Um, Paul, obviously, Paul Stoke was the man that brought you to to England. I mean, what was your relationship like with him? Uh, I think there, there there was a a lot of respect. We didn't exchange that much. You know, he, he's not a talker, uh, but he, he was good at. Um, uh, he knew what was necessary to uh, to be a successful team. Mm-hmm. I think he built the squad and the team the way he wanted us to play. He had a, a clear plan, and uh, and uh, and I shared that plan with him in a way. I knew that in the lower divisions. As long as you defend well, you get a good organization. You will always have opportunities to, to score goals. So as long as you're solid and you've got a, a, a strict plan, uh, I remember where I think we, we played some like four four two at home and four five one away with Mickey up front. Uh, it was a clear plan. Yeah, uh, we were solid. Everybody knew each other. Uh, we worked. Uh, we we were lucky because. When I arrived, it was mid-championship. It was in December, or, or yeah, December. It yeah, was. that's right. Yeah. So we had we had half championship to study and to learn. Uh, and I think, if I remember well, we were bottom of the league. Uh, we were twenty-first in the league with a few games in hand because of the waterlogged pitch uh, mm. at the time. Uh, and so we climbed the table. Uh, I think we finished eighth on the first uh, half season I was there but we learned the, the, the league yes. uh, and then uh, the manager uh, brought some players he knew from Scotland and to, to strengthen the team and uh, with the good work we've done in the first six months we we put that on, on, on the, uh, in practice uh, and we we had a I would say a, a, a fantastic season because when you finish with more than 100 points uh, at the end of the season, it's a fantastic season. But he knew, uh, and I knew also that it was not tough to play because I, I had another level in France, which was much higher, a sort of championship level. Uh, so you understand quick, 
uh, I knew then how to score goals, how to make my late runs in the box, uh, the timing. I knew that Buster Phillips was coming inside on his uh, preferred left foot to to deliver. Uh, he was all the, the, the little clicks that uh, we've learned, in, in, uh, first of all, and then uh, we put that in practice and, and then uh, we had a great season after that. David, we had lots of questions from our podcast listeners for you, so we're going to run through some of those questions with you now, if that's okay. No um, we'll start no with um, Jessica Wigington, and she's asked you, what's your best memory at Argyle? Who is the best Argyle player that you played with, and how much do you follow Argyle now? So best memory, best player, and do you still follow Argyle now? But the best memory is we, we've got a lot uh, to be fair, the two championships, the atmosphere, uh, the QPR game mm. uh, was something unbelievable. But there's so many, and I've been, and I'm lucky to say you, there's so many <laughs> good memories. Uh, but I would say the best memory, uh, the game at QPR at home, full house, uh, late goals, uh, and then I think everybody in the stadium was waiting for for the goals. The first from Nicky, 1-0, it's not finished 1-0. Then I was lucky to score the second one. It was towards the end, after the 80th minute. So everybody was jumping inside out and uh, could really enjoy it. Then my best partner at uh, at Argyle, I've been lucky that we had a... Um, uh, it was a team spirit first. Uh, we, took us to through the, the limits uh, but uh, they, they were I, I could tell you everybody because there, there's no uh, David Norris was a good player uh, Paul Wotan at the back had a fantastic strike Coco was dominant in the air Roman was a monster in goals uh, it's, it's difficult Nicky was the, the typical British target man uh, they were all you know, uh, good players. I think the team was was the best player. And and the last one was. How much do you follow uh, Argyle now? Oh, I checked every result. We're looking at at the time when I arrived, there was no um, uh, social media, uh, social network. But now with Twitter, uh, I'm not on Facebook, but on Twitter uh, mainly. Instagram or whatever, you've got the results. You, you've got all the, the application with the, the result, and, and I put an alert on our guys' results. So I know them, I know the, the poor start of the season, the fantastic climb of the table, I know everything. Uh, I know the, the result, I check the result uh, week in, week out. Uh, um, um, one question we've had in from Matthew Salisbury it says, Do you still keep in contact with Roman Lario? No, I haven't spoken to him for, for spoken to him for for a long time now. Uh, the last time I had uh, some news was when he, he decided to to go to Italy, to live in Italy. So I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't. I, I would have to to if he's got the same number, I would, uh, I would give him a call. Yeah, he's back in. Is he back in Plymouth now, Chris? He's back in uh, this part of the world, definitely. So um, I mean, oh okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the two of you sort of signed at the same time. You. you you both French as well, you know. The, you you were almost sort of thrown together, weren't you? Really, when you came to to, to this club and to England. Oh yeah, yeah. Did it, did we, it help? We, it, it uh, must have helped both yeah, of you having sure, each other there. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I think our agent knew Paul Stork from his time at Dundee. Uh, when he brought us up to Plymouth. Uh, the manager didn't know us, didn't know us, uh, so we trained uh, with the first. Uh, I was lucky; I trained the first week, and I played except <laughs> the following Saturday. So uh, it was a bit strange for me that the ball was not touching the floor. Uh, I was watching the pace of the game, was which is totally different. The the, the physical impact. So we had to we learn quickly. Uh, I, I was lucky to start, and then Roman, uh, a few a few weeks uh, after Alice James, I think it was I think it was against Bristol City, 
That's right. the League Cup. That's right. Um, if I remember well. Yes, you do. That was the Bristol City was was but, his first. Was his but first we game. were we yeah. were we were fortunate to to arrive at this moment of time, in time, and uh, to share the, the this experience. The, the 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 three or four years we followed. Uh, it's been a privilege to be able to to you know it's. I, I think I can go everywhere in the world now, but if I go to Plymouth, people will recognize me, yeah. will uh, say good thing about me. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a privilege, an honor. It, uh, just the number of people that we've had questions from um, David after we announced that you were coming on the podcast just is is proof of that. It's um, you, you've still got an awful lot of fans and friends in in the city of Plymouth. Yeah. Michael Michael Kimber's one of them. David he asked. Where does the QPR game rank as an experience in your football career? You know how high, how how much of a highlight was it that that one? I I think it's in the top three mm. of my career, yeah. uh, something like that. Because it's a game you have to produce. It's a game you have to win. Uh, it's a full house. It's sunny. Uh, you've got all the ingredients for a big game. It's, it was not a, a big technical game, but it was a solid performance, and the resilience was there, and we really trust in ourselves. Uh, because I think Kuka could come back in, in, uh, if they had won that game, come back close. I would say, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, we knew it was a day, and uh, when you know that, and when you have to produce, and you produce, it's a very good performance. And then it was sunny. We had the cup. Yeah. We had the drinks after. We could celebrate at home, which was important because the first one was not at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, all the ingredients were there to. Had a good day, and it was a good day for everybody. Definitely a day that a lot of people still look back fondly on. Um, another another person that's got in touch is Cullum Thompson. He said, "David, you're my best Argyle player of all time. Thanks for the memories, especially the QPR game, which sent us up." On to my questions, he says, "Do you regret leaving Argyle for Nottingham Forest?" Is his first question. Um, so I'll let you answer that one first. No, I don't regret it because I had. Uh... Uh, you have to make some choices in in, uh, in life and in and in football. Mm. Uh, it was a time when we a few things have, have changed. Uh, the manager uh, has gone to Southampton at the time. We changed manager. Bobby Williamson came in. He had his ideas. Um, well, some new players were coming in. And you have to know the right time. And it's not like if I was uh, 26 or 27. Yeah. I was already 32. Uh, the opportunity to go to a big club, because it was a big name, uh, to add a better um, contract for my family also, uh, to discover something different. Mm. Uh, and uh, when I left Plymouth, I think Plymouth was in the top 10 of the championship. Uh, probably, yeah, uh, I think that they, they they finished something like, uh, uh, I think when Ian Holloway came after yeah. uh, Bobby Williamson, uh, so the, the club was on high and then Ian, Ian left, the club was in 6th or 8th in, in the championship, so it, I think the club missed that chance to keep the manager like uh, um, Tony Police or Ian Holloway. And maybe they, have, they would have had the chance to go to the Premier League at the time, at this time. Uh, but to, to leave uh, Plymouth for Nottingham Forest, not, it's not a regret. At a fantastic time, and we can agree <laughs> together that we still got good memories together yeah. with the fans and, and the results. So there's a time for everybody. I, I, I suppose sometimes nothing, pl- is, nothing is bigger than a club. 
No, that's true. And sometimes players can stay for too long, can't they? And then end up regretting not taking a chance to, to move on, like you said. So it's, it's definitely an interesting one. And, and Callum's, sec- Callum's second question, David, was did you wish you could have come back to Argyle towards the end of your career? But um, I think injury was an issue, wasn't it, towards the end of your career, David? Yeah, I think uh, injury, I had a problem with my calf. To be, to be honest, I got injured on the first warm-up of my first game at Forest during the warm-up. And I decided to play because uh, the ma- it was... Uh, my first game and I played with a, uh, a strain in my car uh, and it never gone it never it never went uh, in, in a way I never had the time to fully recover from that and the medical uh, um, I would say uh, I was not in a way I don't want to say bad thing about medical stuff but uh I should have done better uh, myself and the staff because uh, I had no scan in. I had one scan in eighteen months, <laughs> so normally you go and you have a scan straight away, yeah. and you know the, the the injury, and then you 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 get the treatment. But it, that's life, and and calf are, are difficult to to sort out because if you don't give you the right time, the good recovery, they 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 go. Uh, at, at the first sprint or the first art training session, so uh, no, I don't, I don't regret any anything. To be fair, uh, it was because now I've got after there's a life after a life after football, and uh, I've been quite lucky on that one as well. Uh, working with, I, I met some uh, extra. Then generate people like Sir Alex Ferguson, or or, or dealing with the, the, the biggest and the, uh, bringing one of the biggest player in the world at the time. Uh, I, I found the, the ex most expensive one in Paul Pogba when he was 16. So uh, there's a time for for everything. And, and definitely one of the questions that we saw on, on Twitter directed towards you was from Woody from Bastille um, and you did, re- you, you, did, you did reply to him on that with a great answer I think we've covered your best memories at Argyle but you also about, had asked about your worst moments and you mentioned something about being dressed as Robin outside the Swinton Hotel <laughs> uh, You know it's something funny because we were just arrived to, to Plymouth and the lads said we've got a Christmas party Okay. <laughs> We take the French lads with us. I think it was Paul McGregor who took us to uh, fancy dress uh, stuff. So there was not many left because they were all uh, they all went to do the same shop before us. So I was dressed in uh, I took Robin the, the the outfit of Robin and Roman was Aladdin. <laughs> okay. So, as you know, it's when you go for a Christmas party in town, you don't drink alcohol, obviously. And uh, at, it was very late, and Roman said, Oh, David, I've had enough. I take a taxi, I go to the Swinton Hotel. And we were sh- sharing the, the same room at the time. So, he had um, uh, the key, obviously. I said, Look, the, the the window just let the window open and then I will shout when I come back uh, and, and then you throw me the the key the, you will be able to, to throw me the key but obviously I came back late and Roman was, was snoring I could hear, hear him from the street and uh, no, absolutely no chance to wake him up so I had to, to ring the bell with the owners coming and, and me dressed as Robin obviously uh, at two or three o'clock in, in the morning so there was a, a an embarrassing moment for me. <laughs> so you were stood on the doorstep dressed as robin at three o'clock in the morning yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so fantastic but it was funny and what about yeah. on the pitch were there any particularly bad memories for you in terms of your, your playing time at argyle to, to be fair not really mm. uh I remember it's not bad memories because I had a cup 
And normally I've got one or two cuts every year in my head. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's for sure. But I remember we played I think Blackpool away, and there was myself and uh, Sean McCarthy cut with a cut in the. And then after the game, obviously we went to see the other doctor. Uh, and he said, uh, "Okay, who's first? I said, "Makas first." Okay, and he, he went. Makas came, came, and they didn't make him an injection. They, he was just doing. They were just uh, doing their stuff. I said, "Oh no, 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 no! I cannot do that." Uh, so Maxi put me a lot of Vaseline in the head, and a, 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 a kilos of uh, half a pound of, of Vaseline on my head, but I didn't want to, <laughs> to let my my head go underneath. The the, the 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 doctor at yeah. the time, but it's just the really bad memories on the pitch at Argyle. No, yeah. no. It's no surprise given given the achievements you had while you were there. And David, yeah, yeah. after you retired from playing, you became a scout. Was that something that had always interested you? No, no, no. I, I think I said, well, I'm going to be an agent, and I had my uh, time at Forest, and uh, I didn't like the manager at the time. Uh, then a new manager came, um, Colin Calderwood. He was a nice guy, uh, but I said I had one more year on my contract, and I said I don't want to play anymore. Uh, I want to go back to France and maybe. What do you What do you want to do in France? I said uh, maybe I'm going to be an agent. Was it? I said why Why don't you work for me in France? Uh, going and watch games. Uh, I said why not? And then. We cut that year into as a, a scouting mission. I had a contract of two years as a scout for uh, Nottingham Forest, and then it all began this way. Uh, and then, obviously, when you're traveling and uh, watching people, watching games, you're meeting the different people. And I met uh, Martin Ferguson, um, Jimmy Ryan uh, of uh, Manchester United, and then they were they, they lost. They were just no, they had just lost the, the French scout and then they said, would you be interesting? And, and then uh, I spent nine years at United. <laughs> so, uh, but it was, no, I'm really glad to be still in football, mm. to to be uh, able to do the, the, the thing I, I like. And uh, that's the most important. My family is really settled in France. Uh, we moved a lot uh, through the years, but uh, now we're in Saint Etienne, and uh, they also we also play in Green, which is maybe uh, not the other. <laughs> the, so, so, uh, there's a question to come on that, David. Um, but yes, yeah. the fact that you're working for a club in Green has not gone unnoticed by Argyle fans. You mentioned Paul Pogba, David. You know, tell us about that. Uh, Paul was playing for Le Havre at the time and uh, was 15 and obviously when you start for big clubs you we have to really know what's coming what's the next generation and he was part of the next generation he, he was about to to play for France under 16 uh, and that's the, the right time for the big clubs to, to make the market I would say uh, I've been lucky to be persuasive enough to take him to the club. Uh, at the time, it was there was some big fuss in the French media, but uh, there was absolutely nothing illegal in our approach. We we paid compensation money, if you can imagine. At the time, Paul, we we, we bought Paul for one hundred and ten thousand euros. So. That was the compensation money, yeah. and uh, and and then he became a, a 100 <laughs> plus million player <laughs> later on. So uh, I must have had some good eyes at the time. Did, did he stand out at that age? Were, were you? You know, it's easy to say with hindsight, but were you confident that he was one for the for the future for Manchester United? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought it was one for the future for Man United. That's for sure. I didn't know he was going to take that di- dimension. Yeah. It's different. But when I used to scout for United, every time in my head, when I was going 
I was only going for the quality. Uh, and I could see, I think, see, it's something I can do. And I can see, I, I can see potential in players. I knew that the players I was recommended could play in a Premier, in a Premier League or in a, in a Premier team in the first 11. That's the most important because when you're taking boys of 16, can they play under 18? Okay. Under 23? Okay. Reserves? Okay. But the first team is difficult. I've got something, I've got that in me. I don't know why, yeah. but I, I know. Uh, and uh, that was the case for, for Paul at the time. I was pretty sure he was going to, to play first team football at United. And, and like, uh, like Andreas Pereira, like uh, yeah. uh, a few others. When you see Paul, though, playing in a World Cup final winning team for your country, and you've had a, a part to play in his football development, how, how did you feel when you saw him playing and winning, winning a World Cup with France? But, but it, it, it's, a, it's a pride, you know, in a way, because uh, I knew that uh, it was a good generation for France. It's the 93 generation. Uh, they were all born in '93. They, they were world champion under 20, also. Uh, but uh, when you see the success, and now the fact that when he left the, the World Cup, it, it's it's a big pride. It's a big pride. I'm not surprised. It's a, I've been lucky. I've been yeah. I've been lucky. He's the first players I've recommended ever. He was the first <laughs> so, one. No, no, uh, no, no. It's not. Uh, yeah. It's not right because I, I recommended play for Forest, but uh, at United it was the first one. Wow, that's not a bad legacy. <laughs> that's not a bad legacy to leave, is it? <laughs> no, sorry. That's not a bad legacy to leave at United. Oh no, no, no. no and he's no, no, no. still playing well, so well for them now as well, isn't he? So um, you know. The... Yeah, they 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 playing better now, yeah. and because obviously at United you've got now the, some uh, United people. At the, at yeah. the top in, in Ole and, and McFarlane. Uh, and obviously we've talked about you going down the scouting route. Did you ever consider going into management or was that never something that was on the cards for you? No. No, no, no. I've never been interested in, uh, to be a manager. Well, maybe maybe now that uh, I'm a little bit older, I said, hmm, why, why that choice? But I, 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 didn't, I didn't like the way to, to, to become manager you know the, the learning curve uh, was I didn't like that because I didn't like the people who were giving the lesson I would say <laughs> uh, maybe I should have uh, gone to start uh, some lesson in England probably but not in France uh, it was not my cup of tea I would say uh, because obviously I think you learn more about football by scouting uh, leagues culture or different in different countries you learn a lot more than when you're staying in your bunker I would say with your staff mm. and you're preparing the next game each time the next game but I've watched Spanish football Portuguese football uh, German football you know I've watched lots of football and, and you learn you learn a lot more about the players and football in general David, we've um, got a couple more questions for you. Um, one's yep. from Mark Williams. Now, obviously, you're the chief scout at St Etienne. Mark says, uh, St Etienne are doing very well in League 1. Good to see that you're involved in a team in green again. Suits you, obviously, he says. Is there any way the two clubs could have, uh, two clubs, Argyle and St Etienne, could have some sort of agreement, regular friendly matches, loan exchanges? Is, is that anything that could what? happen, do you think? Why not? I would say why not? Hmm. Uh, obviously, it has to be something uh, discussed at board level. Yeah. Uh, but uh, why not? Why not? Hmm. I'm just waiting for Plymouth to to be uh, where they deserve to be. If I if, if to be were a championship a club, it would be different, wouldn't it? Yeah, hmm. at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our guys needs to be a championship club at the very minimum because uh, Hull have been there Blackpool have been there you know they were not better than us they were uh, Hull was a big city then they had a, a big owner but it's they, they, you, you need to be 
you need to be uh, uh, better. You, you need to be higher in the league mm. when you play them. Uh, I don't know why we can only play half seasons. Because <laughs> That's a question a lot of people <laughs> are asking, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, Derek Adams is still in charge and he had a, a tough time. Now, look, you know he, he can do a good job for Plymouth, our guy, because he's done that. And he's learning, like everybody, every year. And when it will all click together, our guy will be successful. But sometimes, you cannot play half a season. You cannot take 20, I don't know, I read your, your tweet, uh, 27 20, 20 points 20. From, from nine games at the start of 2019 yeah so yeah. so hmm. imagine you, you put that in the uh, in the same season yeah uh, in a full season sorry yeah so but uh, well, stability is, is is very important well and I, I, I don't know Derek to be fair I don't know Derek <laughs> I'm not saying but, but, but the stability when you know that this manager this manager can be successful well, giving the ingredients to, to be successful. Well, if St Etienne want a pre-season game at any time, I'm sure Argyle would be delighted to welcome them to Home Park. And uh, they've got the new grandstand that's going to be hopefully uh, finished by uh, by the end of this year. I so, um, so maybe they could come over and uh, and see the see the ground looking uh, looking at its best. All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Why not? I say why not. <laughs> Fantastic. Just two more questions, that, and, and then David. Um, Malcolm Sheridan said, "Can you ask David if he can find Argyle another Frio, please?" <laughs> so, um, another sorry, another David Frio, another player in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no pressure on you, but we just need a a, a French box to box goal scoring midfielder who can head, tackle, um, and just generally charge about the pitch. <laughs> well. Uh, I said also why, why not you know there, there's good players everywhere uh, the, the the most important is to 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 be there to pick them at the right moment in the, the, the timing is important yeah. when I arrived to Plymouth was the right timing you don't know why I don't know why but it was the right timing uh, then you have to have players with good mentality and war hunger they want to be successful I wanted to be successful Roman wanted to be successful we had some revenge to take uh, on life on not on life on football uh, but we were uh, yeah you, you need that hunger uh, to, to to be successful and I think that the lads the, the team post talk built all the lads were in the same uh, category, um, mentality-wise. Uh, a good bunch of lads, but hard workers, ready to run for each other. That's, that was the most important. That's how you you build a team and a squad. Fantastic, and I think. So the next, so the next for you, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, they, they... Yeah. I think the, the, the last question, which. It's a little jokey question that was sent in, but I think it sums up how a lot of Argyle fans still feel about you. It's from Len Fergie, and he says, if I kick my wife out, will you move in with me? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, I think no, that sums but... up how fans feel about you very nicely at the end there. I hope Len's no, no, not no, being no. serious about that. But, um... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um... but, no, but, you know, it, it, we, I think that team at, the mo- at, at this moment in time had a great relation with the fans mm. because... We and the fans uh, lived some fantastic moments. Mm. And I remember also fans coming to our training camp in, in Austria. Um, all things, you know, and, and also when you play, and I said that in one of my tweets, that uh, playing Sheffield Wednesday, the atmosphere, but there was two and a half thousand or three thousand Plymouth fans at Sheffield Wednesday, at Sheffield I think it was on a Tuesday night. It was a Wednesday or... night in October, David. I, I checked. A Wednesday yeah, night yeah. in October. 300 miles from Plymouth. So, mm. we played in London full of Plymouth fans. Mm. We played at Sheffield full of Plymouth fans. Uh, Rochdale, uh, the famous Rochdale. Lots of uh, Plymouth fans. It's... 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 Quite... It's... 
It's a city with uh, quite special. It's a bit in France. We've got the Pays Basque. It's the southwest also. But it's an identity. And lots of Plymouth-born uh, people have moved, you know, to Manchester, to London, or mm. to work. But the identity is still there. So when we traveled away, we said, oh, it's too far. It's four hours on the coach five hours, six hours, seven, eight hours on the coach. And then we arrived, we like playing at home sometimes. Well, uh, uh, so the next the next game for Argyle is away to Sunderland, so that's a 350-mile trip. Oh, and Argyle have already sold around yeah. 1,500 tickets, so there'll be a good crowd there as well. That's, um, that's unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable. Mm. Uh, and these people, they're not all living in the area. Some travel from Plymouth. Mm. So that's big respect. Yeah, they are the best. It would definitely it's be a very long day. They are the best. But, but I'm just going to say, how, how good is it for you when you get to an away game to see that many fans there? Does that make a big difference? Oh, but obviously, you know, sometimes you're a bit tired or you're not in the right mood. And, and when you see the, the you, you go out for the, for the, for the warm-up and you, you see them all. And, and you, you know, at some point, after two, three, four years, you recognize people also in the stand. You know, you wait them. Uh, it's it's like you, you you enter a different atmosphere. I remember my first game at Exeter. I saw it was funny because I saw uh, there were all the old guys. You know, Sean McCarthy, Mickey Scott, and everything. The, the first two was were in front of me before the kickoff. There, there was a Vaseline pop and they put all the vaseline on the other under the uh, above the eyes and and uh, on the cheek oh i said oh i'm gonna do the same so i did the same you go out and uh, you you get the atmos- this atmosphere straight away when you get out the tunnel and you see the your fans whether it's exeter away or sandal on the way they are there mm-hmm. and in numbers so they, they are the best Fantastic. Well, um, do you want to say thank you first, Chris? David, thank you very much for sparing the time to talk to us. I know that uh, the fans uh, still have the, hold you in the highest esteem. Uh, thank you for talking about your time at Argyle. It was a great time for, for you, for the club. I enjoyed immensely reporting on the team. You know, that 2001 to 2004-05 period was a, was a fantastic time for the club, for the city, for everyone. So... Thank you from me to you for your part in that and thanks again for, for joining us today. It's been brilliant and I know Jack, Jack will just finish off if that's okay. Yeah, so like I said, thank you very much, David, for joining us. It's been an honour to, honor to speak to you um, and thanks to everyone that's listened. We'll be back again next week.